0: Today, on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne,
1: in Melbourne, Florida. I'm doing good. I make big bucks. My 401K is doing... Man, the Dow this week, 10000 Man, I'm just feeling comfortable. My wife's got a new thing here. I got a new thing here. We just put a boat over there. The kid's over here. Kids are off into college doing this and that. Kind of, man, things, my health is great. Man, i just enjoying life. But when you are alone and no one's around, somewhere inside, there's an empty feeling. When you
0: set out to do something on your own, determination and perseverance can get you far, but only so far. As people, there is a limit to how far we can go in our characters, in our spirits, in our lives. But when we're in obedience to God, those barriers crumble. And walking with Jesus, we can finally become the people He intended us to be before sin entered the world. When we take on the character of Jesus... Our spirits are in line with His will. We are hearing from our Lord and seeking His direction. But in order to get to that place, we have to give up our flesh, seeking forgiveness, accepting it, and moving past it, past it into a fruitful life. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Let's join Pastor Mark in the book of First Corinthians, chapter 15, verse 1. For our continuing study entitled New Beginnings.
1: Born again is forgiveness. It's the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross. That's why we're here this morning. So, Peter needed forgiveness, he needed a savior. He needed to be born again. Now, life without Jesus leaves us guilty. You know the guilty feeling. Peter had been guilty. He denied the Lord. He knew it was wrong. He did it anyway. He felt Guilty is miserable, isn't it? You know what guilt is when you're driving in your car and you're going down the street and you're not paying attention to too much. You're just having a good time. You look up in the mirror and boy, you know who's behind you. And you go, oh man! And, and, no light flashing yet, but you know who's behind you. Now, what happens to your heart? Boom, down here it comes like that. And what happens to your foot on the gas pedal? Woo, it just slipped it up, <laughs> No way. Hey, you might have been going three miles an hour, but now you're going nothing because that's. Why do you do that? Not because you're guilty there, but because before you were what? Guilty big time. See, guilty's miserable feeling, and when we sin. God allows us to feel guilty. Guilt is important because it brings us to God. When we speak about guilt, let me give you the second point this morning. It's this. God's grace is greater than your sin. God's grace is greater than your sin. Grace is simply this. Unmerited favor. Let me give you a little idea of what I mean by that. You're driving 70 miles an hour in a 35 mile an hour zone. Now you do see the blue light, and it's not a Kmart special. They come up to your car, and he opens the, you open the window, and you go, man, I might as well get my wallet out right now. And the policeman says this, I'm in the grace. I'm just going to give you a warning. Feel good? Woo, man, you go home, praise God. You're not a Christian, you're praising God. You love it. Now, that's grace. Unmerited favor. You didn't deserve it, but you got it. By the way, normally that's not going to happen with a policeman. You're not going to find that. We have some of them here. They pro- I don't care if they know you. You're not going to get it. Only the pastor might get that one. So. Oh, no. no, no. Okay. Unmerited favor. See, Jesus went to a cross. And my sin and your sin caused him to die. And yet he went willingly because he loved us. That's grace. And his grace is greater than your sins. You see, God loved us so much. He he wanted mankind to be restored again. He wanted mankind to know. He wanted Peter to know. Peter, you messed up. You blew it. But you can start again. I don't deserve to be forgiven. You don't deserve to be forgiven. Peter didn't deserve to be forgiven. But that's what grace is all about. A new beginning. Third thing I want you to write down this morning is this. Failure is not final. Now, we know from 1 Corinthians 15 that on resurrection morning, after Peter and John went back to Jerusalem, sometime that early afternoon, Jesus came to Peter privately and had a session with Peter. Now, I want you to take your shoes off and put Peter's sandals on for a moment. What kind of meeting was that When Peter was standing next to Jesus. By the way, you think Peter found Jesus or you think Jesus found Peter? I believe Jesus found Peter. Some of you here this morning say, well, thanks about Christianity. When I'm ready, I'll come to God. No, you're mistaken. God loves you. But the Bible says you cannot come to God unless he draws you. That's why it's very important when you know that you're wrong and you should come to God. That's the day you should come. So I believe Peter was there, and I believe the old Peter went have went, Hey, Jesus, how are you, man? Good to see you resurrected. Now, what do you think Peter said on that day when he'd blown it? I believe he took his sandals off. I believe he bowed before Jesus. And I believe he said to Jesus, Man, you're right. I blew it. How could I have been so bold and so brash? And Jesus said, yeah, I told you so, told you so, told you so. I'm through with you, Peter. That's it. I wish you'd have made the cut for the disciples. You know, I'm I'm going to use the disciples in the book of Acts. And they're going to do great things for God. But Peter, it's over. The cut, you missed it. You failed three times, Peter. I tried to tell you, Peter, but you failed. Do you believe that's what Jesus said? I believe Jesus said to Peter, it's all right, you're forgiven. See, one thing you need to remember here, no man can forgive you, only God. I don't go to a man for forgiveness. I don't go to a pastor, a priest, a holy person. I go to God through Jesus Christ. That's the message of the cross. And Peter left that particular wonderful time with Jesus forgiven, forgiven, His sins were forgiven. Failure is not final. A new chance for Peter. Two facts. Number one, we are all going to fail God at times. We're going to sin. The question this morning is not, well, if I ever fail or sin. No, the question is, when I sin, what should I do? And there's only two things that I know to do when you sin. And there's simply this. First of all, ask forgiveness. And receive it. And secondly, this is very important. Learn from your sin. Why go through it again and again and again like the children of Israel? 40 years. Learn from your sin. Peter is going to be a changed man. He's learned from his sin. He's forgiven. He's learned some of you are here this morning, and you're like Peter. At one time you used to know God. I mean, you come here faithfully to another church, you really knew God, you enjoyed studying the Bible, you were in fellowship with Him, but you've taken a detour. You've gone down the wrong road. And you're on this road and you're saying, well, how did I get there? I, often I have people come to the office and they counsel and they'll say to me after a disaster in their life, how in the world did I get where I'm at? I used to know God. But I went down the wrong road and Satan's taken all kinds of things from me and just brought all kinds of disaster. It was initially fun. You see, sin always leaves you guilty. What are you going to do with guilt? What are you going to do with guilt? Some of you are sitting here with guilt, and it's miserable. Why are you sitting here with guilt today? You can come to Jesus for forgiveness. But you're obstinate. Peter realized he needed forgiveness. Peter realized failure was not final. And he came to Jesus. Jesus came to him and he said, If you'll forgive me, I'd like to start anew, a new beginning. Well, let's go 70 miles north to Galilee. And you go 70 miles north, we have to do that. We have to turn in our Bibles from Mark to John chapter 21. That's 70 miles. And we'll see the disciples in the very place they should have been all along. Instead of hiding in Jerusalem, Jesus would have told them already, you should be by the Sea of Galilee. Let's look and see what happened to Peter's life, what he was forgiven, what took place, what he learned while he was there. Verse 1, John 21. And after Jesus appeared to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, it happened this way, Simon Peter Thomas, Nathanael from Canaan, Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. So seven of the disciples were there. Now, they were there. They didn't really know what the next step was. They, They knew Jesus was risen. They'd already seen him. But they didn't know what the next step was. What should we be doing? So many of these people initially were fishermen. So what do they do? Well, Simon Peter's still the leader. He's still kind of the guy and saying... I don't know what you guys are doing. You can sit around here in the hammocks all day. I'm going fishing. Verse 3 says, I'm going out to fish, Peter told them. And being a leader, the other six said what? Well, we'll go with you. So here we are. We're on the boat. Verse 3 tells us what happened. By the way, when you fish in Galilee, you always fish at night. Throw the nets out in the dark. Fish can't see it. Great catch. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught what? Nothing. Now that's easy reading, but they worked all night long, and if you've ever thrown a casting net a couple times, all night long and caught nothing. This is a great picture to me of two things. First of all, it's a picture of Christians, disciples, who are really don't have God's direction in their life. Their life is really empty. There's tremendous amount of activity, going to church, serving on this committee, doing this, giving doing all that, but nothing, nothing is really taking place in their life. Their life is is empty. You see, if that's you this morning and you're a Christian and you feel an emptiness, you need to go back and say, well, what kind of thing should I be doing, God? See, God gives Jesus didn't tell them to go out fishing. And of course, when they went out fishing, they had Nothing. You'll see in a moment, when we obey Jesus, the difference in our life. Some of you are Christians, and you're just directionless. You need God's will. You need to seek his face. You need to find a new beginning for you. But the other great picture, I believe, is this. I believe the disciples in the empty net is a great picture of religion. Religion. I told you already that religion means man trying to be right with God. I believe one of the greatest dangers for the teens and the youth all the way to the older people is this. Religion is a dead end. It's Satan's greatest tool to deceive people. You see, religion is this. That if I'm good enough and do enough good things, religious things, I'll get into heaven. Goodness, my goodness, wipes out my sin. So we go to church, we read our Bibles, we become a member of a church, we take communion, we get water baptized, we practice the Ten Commandments, we're a part of the good neighbor club, we bring food when there's a buffet, man, we're good. But you'll never be good enough to reach God. You see, I want to just focus you in again, just for a moment. You're going to make a decision this morning that will affect your life forever, forever. And what Satan wants you to do is this, kick back, say, man, is this thing about over? The music is pretty good, like them stick people. I'm ready to go home, turn the TV on, have some ham and lamb and cool it out, man. I did my thing. I'm here. Now, I'm glad you're here. We're all glad you're here. But we're not into religion here we're into your life being changed. As I look at all the people this weekend and many of the other churches, the most disastrous thing that can ever happen in your life is this, that you leave unchanged, not born again, plain church. You say, well, I I don't want to admit it to some of my other teenage friends or to my husband or my wife or whatever. Hey, being guilty and being empty is a miserable feeling you need to be real so when the disciples had nothing by the way that's what life is life without jesus just simply leaves you empty the next verse we hear is verse four it says early in the morning jesus stood by the shore but the disciples did not realize it was jesus it was dark. They had just done daylight savings time and they couldn't figure what time it was and they couldn't see. They were about a hundred yards offshore from Jesus. And Jesus called out to them, even though they didn't know who he was. And he says to them, friends, have you any fish? And they responded, no. What they really were saying in this, and I was like, yeah, thanks a lot. Can't you see the empty net sitting on the side of the boat here? No, we worked all night. There aren't any fish. Why'd you even ask? Their empty life, their empty net proved it. Can you imagine when Jesus calls out from the shore, he sees all those empty nets, and he calls out to the shore and he says to his disciples, you have any fish out there? And they respond, oh yes, we have many fish when their nets are empty. That's exactly what some of you are doing this morning. When we talk about sin, when we talk about your life being full, I'll say to you, do you know you're going to heaven? Have you been born again? Are you a Christian? Well, I'm religious. I'm not talking about that. Do you know Jesus Christ? Well, I'm busy in the church. I'm active doing this. That's not what I'm asking. We don't want to admit we're guilty. We don't want to admit our life is empty. You see, but most of us substitute things for spirituality. And you talk to a businessman. He say, "I'm doing good. I make big bucks. My 401k is doing. Man, the Dow this week ten thousand. Man, I'm just feeling comfortable. My wife's got a new thing here. I got a new thing here. We just put a boat over there. The kids over here. Kids are off into college, doing this and that. Man, things. Are, my health is great. Man, I just enjoying life. But when you are alone and no one's around, somewhere inside." There's an empty feeling. Even for a teen with all this stuff going on. Something is not fulfilled. How did that happen? Because God put it there. You see, every one of you, including me, were created to know God personally. And if you miss everything else, catch this. Unless you know Jesus Christ personally, unless you come to that knowledge, your life will always be empty. You'll have lots of activity, but you'll be totally empty. So the disciples were honest. They said, no, we don't have any fish. Well, look what happens next. And Jesus said... Well, throw the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. Can you imagine what they were saying? You know, some stupid stranger on the side. I mean, we've been fishing. What they think, i to think I'm crazy or what? We've thrown on the right side 20 times. But look what they did. When they did. See, when you obey God, when you say, I need you, God. I admit my sin. I'm not born again. I'm going to come to you. I, I'm not walking down the right road. When you do it. Look what happened. They were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. In fact, verse 11 tells us 153 fish. Then the disciple who Jesus loved, who was John, said to Peter, It's the Lord. So let's put ourselves. Peter, you're in the boat. You're Peter. John's there, and the other four or five disciples are there. And John is the kind of the mathematician, the smart one of the group. And he's thinking, zero fish, nada. Nothing. Stranger calls, right side, 153. Zero, not a, nothing. It's the Lord! Now, why would he say that? Because he'd been with Jesus around the Sea of Galilee for three and a half years. And he saw miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And when he looked in his life and when he saw those fish, he said, This isn't a guy that knows the fishing spot. That's God. That's the Lord. And I want to say to you this morning, when you finally get rid of your pride and look in your life, if you find anything good in your life, here's what you need to say. It's the Lord. Nothing good in our lives unless it's from God. Nothing. It's all God. It isn't us. It's all God. And John knew it. Now, what do you think Peter did? Well, you know already. Let's take a look at it. See, these memories cause John and Peter to go, Whoa, whoa, it's the Lord, it's the Lord. If you've ever been to the Jordan, and you go and you get baptized by us, when you get out, the water's dirty. Because you were in it. That water isn't going to heal you. We're not into water. We're not into church. We're not into form. We're into a person, Jesus Christ. The only person that's going to change you from death to life is Jesus. Not some holy water. There is no holy water. It's just water. Some of it's treated better. It's it's a shame because people think water is going to change you. No, water isn't going to change you. Jesus Christ is going to change you. It's a personal relationship. It's not form. It's not religion. So what you see there is, without God, your life is empty and guilty. Life with Jesus is abundant fulfilling, It's the greatest lifestyle in the world. I had an individual stop me this week and came into the office and he said, he's a young guy, early 20s, I can't tell you what God's done for me. In the last nine months, he just changed my life drastically. I've gone from a person that didn't in any direction to the most exciting thing, and I just love Jesus so much. An individual stopped me at the service last night, and he says, I can't tell you, but God is, he's probably mid-30s, he said, God has so changed my life My relatives don't believe it. And I'm sending them all four tapes to hear your teaching. They don't believe that can happen. I'm here to tell you this morning, if you'll find Jesus Christ, your life will change. Awesome changes in your life. Only because the power of God. Number four, God's forgiveness includes forgetting. Verse 7, as soon as Simon Peter heard him say it's the Lord, well, you know what Peter did. He wrapped his outer garment off on him, and he had taken it off, swims 100 yards to shore. Everybody else comes in the boat, but Peter swims. You know, Peter. Now, why did Peter do that? Here's why. Just write this verse down, Psalm 103, 12. It says this, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Here's why Peter did it. Peter knew that his sins had been forgiven. And here's the other great thing. His former sins had been forgotten. Nobody was going to dredge up the old stuff again. His life had been changed. You see, he swam to shore and was excited to personally meet with Jesus. If you're guilty, or if you don't believe Jesus has forgiven you, you're not interested in meeting Jesus. In fact, if you're guilty this morning and you're not ready to turn your heart, you're hoping this thing's over quick. Because you hate being guilty. When we're forgiven, it's wonderful to serve God. And that's why guilt should not drive you away from God, but it should bring you to Jesus Christ, just like Peter.
0: Today we heard about the symptoms and problems caused by empty religion. People may have a lot going on in their lives, be volunteering for ministries, going to church, but nothing is taking place in their heart. Pastor Mark warned that religion is one of the most dangerous tools of the enemy making people believe that those things they do will save them. That false security makes people feel safe in their salvation when they might not be. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. The messages that you hear each day here on Lessons for Living were produced from messages that Pastor Mark shared at the main campus in Melbourne. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. We want to take this time to invite you to join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. Now, the next time you join us here on Lessons for Living, we'll find out what happens... After a person asks for forgiveness and begins a relationship with the Lord. A person may know they're forgiven but still be carrying around a mountain guilt. We'll see how it's just another tool for the devil to use in order to distract us from the Father. Pastor Mark will exhort us to consider our choices now. Because we may not have them later. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Ballmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living. And together, let's do life right.